We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 9th, 2014. And uh, today, kind of a mini-study, I guess. We're, we're just going to really primarily be listening to a few different videos. One just came out from uh, Good Fight Ministries, and it's entitled um, Bruno Mars, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the Super Bowl, and Satan. And Bruno Mars, evidently, I don't know who this dude is, but he just performed at the uh, Super Bowl. And um, this is a, a, the the man that operates Good Fight Ministries, I believe it's Rob Bell, um, he really does a good job with these videos and being able to put things together in a very professional way. And um, he... Uh, he put together a new one, and it's, again, entitled Bruno Mars, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Super Bowl, and Satan. And I just saw it today. A listener sent it to me. It's only about 20 minutes long. But he gets into some really good things exposing this, exposing uh, really the rock music industry and a lot of the fruit that you might not be aware of regarding this. Now, um... There's a warning at the start of the video. It says some content and subject matter may be inappropriate for young or sensitive viewers. The video contains images, video scenes, and interviews which may, which some may find offensive. View with caution. He does bleep out any cuss words that they might be saying, but you still, uh, it's still, I mean, you know pretty much what they're saying, in other words. So please bear that in mind if you're listening to this. Uh, if you have children or whatever, you may not want them to uh, see the whole thing or listen to the whole thing. You might want to listen to yourself first and then go back and, and but that, that, you know, pray about it. But um, he doesn't use the KJV. I, I'm not exactly sure what version he's using, if it's the New King James or NIV, I'm not sure. So he, he doesn't quite, he's not there in that yet. But it's really, I'm just, what I'm trying to do is get to what information can we really glean from this. And there's a lot of really good information on this, um, and it's very up to date. Meaning that this just happened, and and um, like the one they had done, they sold their souls for rock and roll. A lot of that's on the, a lot of the really old bands that a lot of the modern day youth might not even be aware of, like Jim Morrison and the Eagles and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and those dudes. So it, it's one of those things that. You know, that is very, very good. Really, really good. In fact, I'm going to even be playing one of the, the clips from that. But it's also really good when we have videos that are coming out of really up-to-date content. Um, particularly with this, it just happened. So I'm going to go ahead and start this. It's goodfight.org. Showing pictures of Bruno Mars now. I never even literally heard of this guy, and it looks like a. It looks like a. Honestly, it looks like a kind of a young Michael Jackson to me. That's the way he almost looks to me. He has a very similar look. And some of his pictures. Bruno Mars 
Conference Super Bowl 2014 halftime performance was seen by hundreds of millions of people, and he no doubt gained millions of new fans. Most people are clueless that he has admitted that he has gone over to the dark side and has targeted America's youth with a very destructive message for both the family and the soul. However, before we look at Bruno Mars, we need to look at the Red Hot Chili Peppers who performed with Bruno Mars. The Chili Peppers performing with Bruno Mars is significant because when told by the NFL that he could choose any band he wanted to to perform with him, Bruno Mars admitted that the first band he thought of was the Satanic band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. When we got the phone call, they were like, "Hey, we loved you know on these things, we love to raise the stakes and uh, and 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 have you know you can have another artist there with you." Would you like to do something like that? And the first band I thought of was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Sadly, like so many artists who are leading the masses away from God and to hell, the Red Hot Chili Peppers pay homage to Satan and are being used by the satanic powers of darkness. Here we see the Chili Peppers' lead singer Anthony Kiedis giving thanks to Satan at an MTV awards ceremony. First of all, I'd like to thank Satan. I'd like to thank Satan. Thank Satan. Incredibly, yes, you heard that right. He's literally at an MTV awards ceremony, and he says, "First of all, I." would like to thank Satan. You know how like after they, he just won an award and he's speaking for the band. This is how wicked and evil the Red Hot Chili Peppers are. I mean, talk about, you know, really being in your face. Their Super Bowl performance, the Chili Peppers performed their perverted song, Give It Away. The song first appeared on... Okay, now, so they're showing this this video, I have never seen it before, Give It Away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and the drummer, they, the drummer is dressed up, and he's got, like, Satan horns, like, big Satan horns, and this video looks so incredibly, is so incredibly evil. It's really, if you've got kids and, 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 and you're, like, watching it, you probably don't want them to see this part of the, of the video, because it is so bad. I, I never saw it before. I could not believe what I saw on this video. Their perverse album, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, for which the music was... Blood Sugar and Sex Magic? Yeah, like Aleister Crowley, who was the one that really brought the whole concept of sex magic into the mainstream and then in into uh, um, rock and roll. There's all of these homosexual guys in the video with, like, horns and stuff, all demon-possessed with their tongues out, like, kissing each other and stuff. I mean, it is it is straight from the pits of hell, this video. It's largely crafted by the Chili Peppers' former guitarist and occultist, John Frusciante. Satanism and demonic possession is common in the entertainment world as Satan seeks to use artists as puppets to adversely influence the blind masses to do things like destructive drugs and engage in sexual perversion. Chili Peppers' former guitarist, John Frusciante, who is listed by Rolling Stone magazine as one of the top 100 guitarists of all time, knows that much of the Chili Peppers' huge success is owing to the spirit world, which uses him as a medium or a channel. Frusciante admitted, quote, There were beings of higher intelligence controlling what I was doing, and I don't know how to talk about it or explain it. It was very clear to me that the music was coming from somewhere other than me, end quote. Frusciante further admits, quote, I was having verbal communication with the spirits while I was recording. He goes on to say a little later, the spirits give you ideas for things, and what's important to them is what's important to me, end quote. Frusciante now understand, that's normal, okay? When you get to this point, and you sign on the dotted line with Satan, which is about the, uh, from what I've, my research indicates, the only way you're going to get to this level in 
rock and roll, or really most of the music genres, is this way. Not all, but most. And you have to literally sell your soul to Satan. And just like that teaching I did on um, Robert Johnson in the Crossroads Curse, just keying Robert Johnson, he's got a, there's a video clip on him uh, up here as well that um, uh, this particular man on Good Fight Ministries did as well on Robert Johnson. But, um, you know, you sell your soul to Satan, and then all of a sudden, then, then you have these unbelievable abilities to either sing or play whatever instrument that you were... Because Robert Johnson couldn't even hardly play the guitar very well. It was, it was well known. He wasn't even that good. And then all of a sudden, he shows up one day after he signs on the dotted line with Satan, and the guy's like king of the, you know, Delta Blues, the, the man that was instrumental in literally... Um, and you, there's so many different people in rock music that confirm this. He was literally one of the main bedrock foundational inspirations for so many people um, in early rock and roll and even thereafter. And so he kind of set one of the um, standards by selling your soul to Satan. He admitted it, and um, that pattern has been recreated over and over and over. When you do this, these devils come into you because you've essentially given them permission and it's, it's kind of like what the occultists do with automatic writing, where they're, they sit down to write something, and their hand's moving and the pen's moving, but they're just on autopilot, okay? The demons are literally writing. And th there's been whole books channeled, like from Alice Bailey and, and these types of high-level occultists that have been written through what they call automatic writing. Well, this is very similar to that. They're playing music, or they're coming up with lyrics for these songs, like Stairway to Heaven, like Hotel California, and them, that are, are, are totally written through automatic writing. And typically those types of songs, when you play them bas backward, they have all kind of back-masked, masked, I'm sorry, back-masked, um, satanic messages in them. That's the norm. At this level, okay? Um, you can look at um, John Todd's research on this, where he would confirm that, and I've done... Several teachings on that as well. You can key in, search the uh, the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com to find those. And so this is not like something that just was like happened one time to one guy, where the the um, you know he's saying I was having verbal communication with the spirits while I was recording. Okay, that's integral. Satan's trying to get specific lyrics, a specific song out there to the masses that literally has a spell on it. And then he says, the spirits give you ideas for things, and what's important to them is what's important to me. And, anyway, that was the former guitar player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But he speaks of, quote, the voices in my head were telling me that I had more work to do, end quote. Chili Peppers lead singer Anthony Kiedis, who we just saw giving thanks to Satan, admitted that he takes pleasure in watching Frushanti's, quote, passion for playing and for his desire to commune with the spirits, both the invisible and the people who were there, end quote. It should be obvious to anybody who is open to truth just what kind of spirits Rishanti is open to. He claims that songs like Emptiness, I'm Around, and 666 were all inspired by Satanist Aleister Crowley. 
Crowley, who ate human poop and had sex with children, blatantly admitted in his confessions to being a Satanist, even admitting, quote, I simply went over to Satan's side, and added later, I wanted to be his chief of staff, end quote. Crowley developed a type of ritualistic magic that included communion with demonic entities and even the perversion of pedophilia called sex magic. In his book entitled... We also bragged about how he would kill children as well. The prime sacrifice being a uh, small male infant. So he didn't just have sex, he, 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 um, he sacrificed them as well to vampirize their youth to, for different spells and things of this nature that he did. This guy was so far beyond debauched, debased, evil, and perverted, it, you can't even comprehend it. Dr. Kinsey and the Institute for Sex Research, Kinsey's partner, Wardell Pomeroy, wrote that when Satanist Kenneth Anger and sexologist Alfred Kinsey went to Satanist on Lester Crowley's former sex temple in Italy to obtain Crowley's sex diaries that, quote, the great beast, speaking of Crowley, held group orgies as part of their ritual and included in them the small children the women brought with them. The walls inside were still covered with the most open, as Kinsey put it, sexual action pictures. The remainder of the paintings, he said, were, quote, life-size representations of sexual activity, both homosexual and heterosexual, singly, doubly, and in groups, including children, end quote. Incredibly, the Red Hot Chili Peppers entitled their most popular album, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, even adding a K to the end of sex magic, as did pedophile and Satanist Aleister Crowley. Much of Bruno Mars's music could be summed up as the glorification of sex and drug abuse. Think about it. What caring and responsible parent would ever allow a man to encourage their children to do cocaine, become a drunkard, get involved in sexual perversion, and die young? However, Bruno Mars, as you are about to see, glorifies all these evil things and more. Bruno is even more dangerous than the creepy neighbor down the street because he effectively disarms millions of people with his squeaky clean image only to admit he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. In the song Gorilla, Mars glorifies sexual perversion, drunkenness, and the deadly drug cocaine. So I got a body full of liquor and a cocaine kicker. It's catchy. It's catchy. Anyway, um, yeah, that's what he said in the song if you hadn't heard it there. However, Mars doesn't just sing about doing cocaine. He admitted possessing 2.6 grams of cocaine after being arrested in a bathroom after a nightclub performance at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Bruno Mars, par for the course, pathetically claimed it was his first time doing drugs. Huh. First-time users aren't typically carrying 2.6 grams of coke on their person. In Bruno Mars' song Moonshine, he speaks of alcohol as an intoxicating lover and glorifies drunkenness to the point where he appears to be worshipping alcohol as a god. In Moonshine, Mars glorifies getting drunk and alcoholism by singing about getting drunk night after night and how waiting to the next night feels too long before getting drunk again. Hello. You know you look even 
Tragically, Mars irresponsibly teaches his young fans that alcohol is the best way to escape and say goodbye to the world. So, this guy is singing Moonshine, obviously. Okay, liquor. Um, I guess is the reference. And it's like he's singing a love song to booze. I mean, it's like really weird. You'd think it's he's singing it to like a woman or something. No, he's singing it to booze. It's very bizarre, you know, to, that concept. Okay, so this is Liquor Store Blues. So this is, again, catchy title. So one shot for my pain. I'm assuming that's a shot of liquor. One drag, drag off a, you know, marijuana for my sorrow. sings about using alcohol as a good way to say goodbye to the world, but also even goes so far as to encourage his young audience that it's okay to throw their lives away through alcohol, declaring, quote, we are not afraid to die young, end quote. Sadly, Bruno Mars... So we are not afraid to die young and live fat. You better be afraid to die young. You're hang, hanging out over hell by a thread. Which is the reality of, of the matter, you know. So, but devils like this, with all of this literal mind control programming, you're singing along, there's a spell on the song, and, and it's literally programming your mind to think in these terms. And it seems all innocent enough if you hear it on the right radio. I've never, I've never really heard any of these songs, but, or if I had it, I just don't recognize any of them. But, I mean, it is, it's literally, you know, I guess it's really popular stuff nowadays, and, and um, his message is just pure evil. He's encouraging many of his young, impressionable fans to fall in love with alcoholism and to not be afraid to die young. His songs are woefully irresponsible when we face the reality that alcohol and drug abuse are leading causes of teen death via car crashes, violence, drowning, and suicides. In his song, Marry You, Mars trivializes the God-ordained institution of marriage by singing about being trashed on dancing juice and then looking for something dumb to do, like getting married. So who cares if we get trashed, got a pocket full of cash, we can blow shots of Patron. We, uh, full of cash, we can blow so cash you're going to blow on Patron, the, the liquor. So, a great message. Really a great wholesome message this guy sent it, I'll tell you. They're looking for something dumb to do. Saints, quote, if we wake up and you want to break up, that's cool. As though a quickie marriage and divorce are no big deal. Like Satan himself, who was cast out of heaven, and will be locked out of heaven forever. In Bruno Mars' song, Locked Out of Heaven, which he sang at the Super Bowl, he blasphemously uses Christian imagery to sing about sex magic. Mars trivializes a variety of Christian terminology about God and applies it to sex, including twisting Jesus' words about the need to be born again, to be saved, and that I'm born again every time you spend the night.
that is so blasphemous. I mean, that is like, I mean, I'm like scared hearing that garbage. I mean, that's like, it, it, that's not scared of him, but just like the concept that somebody has that little fear of God, you know, born again every time you spend the night. I mean, fornication and, and uh, wow. And that's that song locked out of heaven that he sang at the Super Bowl. Okay, so this is this is the message that's going out on a global scale. Tweet, Bruno even went so far as to ask MTV to start calling him, quote, a sex dragon. Mars has been criticized for exploitation of women because his song, Right Round, is misogynistic and he treats women as mere sex objects that are to be bought like whores and prostitutes. One woman commented after watching him in concert that Mars is, quote, a pervert with talent and with young kids in the audience, he should be charged with a crime, end quote. To be sure, Mars is definitely filling young people with lyrics glorifying irresponsibility, drug abuse, and sexual perversion. God himself warns us in his word that Satan comes as an angel of light and that he uses false prophets to promise a false form of liberty but leads us into bondage and enslavement to sin. Jesus warned that Satan's emissaries come as wolves in sheep's clothing. Satan is using Bruno Mars to seduce his audience with an appealing, crooning voice, whereby he then, as so many other pop stars, leads them into a destructive lifestyle of sex and drug abuse. In his song, Runaway Baby, which he also sang at the Super Bowl, Mars sings about a lifestyle where he couldn't care less how many babies are aborted and STDs are spread to various women as a result of his sexual conquest, even admitting that he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. saying I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing, and the other stuff I can't even repeat, um, <laughs> I mean, this dude is evil, a Snoop Dogg song, entitled Young, Wild, and Free, featuring Bruno Mars, is riddled with repeated drug references from beginning to end, the song begins with Bruno Mars, who provides the hook, and sends a horrific message to kids, promoting and glorifying getting drunk, and getting wasted on drugs. Now, I'm seeing a lot of this lately where we see the rappers start yoking up with different genres of music. Like, with what Bruno Mars, I'm not sure exactly what genre, genre that would be considered pop. I don't know. And then now we got rap yoking up with pop. And then there was another video that came out recently where it was with this country western singer, idiot, that was with um, uh, all of these uh, rap star guys. It, and it's, it's like, whoa, this is so strange to see all of these people commingling. It's almost like you look at the one world religion where everybody's going to be on the same page, one world political system, one world economic. You almost start seeing that now with the music, the, the wicked music genres that are out there. They seem to be yoking up and maybe it's to expose other demographics to their wicked music. And you know what I mean? To further defile humanity. I don't know. I've just seen that trend more and more and more. Productive and is repeated throughout the song, beckoning the listener to become a drunk and a pothead. So, so what we get drunk, so what we smoke weed. And they're literally smoking the weed in the video, okay? And this is um, Bruno Mars and, and it looks like Snoop Dogg or whatever his name is. And um, some other rapper guy and it's Young, Wild and Free. 
young, stupid, and moronic is what it should be anyway. Sadly, the video for the song, both audibly and visually, encourages... It, it, show, it shows a guy in a wheelchair, a white kid in a wheelchair, smoking pot in the video. It's so random, you know? It... it, it to get wasted and fry their brains with lyrics like, quote, yeah, roll. This guy's smoking out of this huge bong. These two black guys are Snoop Dogg and this other guy smoking out of this huge bong on their thing. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. It's so in your face. Roll one, smoke one. Yeah, roll one, smoke one. Roll one, smoke one. And roll joints bigger than King Kong's fingers and smoke the most down to the stingers. So he's going to roll joints like King Kong's fingers. Again, catchy, but, you know. Um, yeah, he's, he's got to just, you know, they, they've got to be so, like, catchy and trying to rhyme and rap and all all this. And they're literally showing a grow house in the background as the tape's going. Is All these pot plants growing in a grow house. There's absolutely no doubt that this song by Snoop Dogg and Bruno Mars is directed and marketed toward impressionable teenagers as the video for the song is shot at a high school. What makes this drug-infested song even more effective in corrupting young people is that the song Young, Wild, and Free featuring Bruno Mars became the basis of a movie that was entitled Mac and Devin Go to High School. How does an old man like Snoop Dogg, who's nearly three times the age of many of the children he is targeting, relate to kids and lead them into drug use? Easy, Snoop Dogg plays a high schooler named Mac, who has been a senior for 15 years and is a loser and a pothead. He successfully corrupts the school's valedictorian by turning him onto drugs and illicit sex. All of this is actually cast at a real high school. In fact, Miracosta High School in Manhattan Beach, California, ended up revoking its facilities use permit because kids and teachers alleged that while making the film, some of the filmmakers were doing drugs on the campus and teachers complained that valuables had been stolen from the classrooms. Bruno Mars is complicit with many of those who are destroying America's children. In a short 40... And again, I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, this... Video is just so jam-packed. You look at the fruit of of these devils in this industry of of Hollywood and of the music industry and all these different genres that that are out there. And then now, with this whole thing with pot, now that it's legalized in what is it, Washington and Colorado now, and it's it, listen, it's going to be a domino effect. It's going to end up being legalized everywhere. And I've still got listeners emailing me adamant about how I'm wrong with regarding marijuana. Not a lot. Not very many. But some. And they're adamant I'm wrong and they're right and okay. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I did the teaching on marijuana. Just just key in marijuana or I don't know if pot would bring it up in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I am not going to budge off that. I mean, you go into these occult chat rooms and they talk about the spirits that literally are involved with marijuana and that they're extremely powerful, you know, and even even tobacco. But marijuana, you're going into way more of a mind-altering thing. You're opening yourself up, devils, just like if you listen to this type of music and you're doing marijuana and you're getting drunk or let's say you're on meds, all of these are different gateways. And marijuana is known as a gateway drug. What does that mean? It's a gateway. So you start with marijuana. Oh, it seems innocent enough. And then what it does is it opens you up to devils, which gets you into the more hardcore stuff. It's a proven fact. People that end up getting hooked on heroin 
a huge amount of them say, well, I started with pot. Or, or you know, that type of thing. Those, those drugs that are gateway drugs into other areas and arenas. And you look at the ultimate fruit. You look at, and, and this push for marijuana lately. It's every time I open up the newspaper or, 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 or go online and look at the news and stuff and how they're pushing to get this legalized everywhere else and then all of these people literally moving now to Colorado. I saw a story the other day where they were saying, well, because we care about our child, he needs marijuana for, for his health because it's so good for you. There are parents, I'm, I'm not kidding about this, look it up online. There are parents, I couldn't even believe it, that are literally moving their children out to Colorado because marijuana is legalized. And they need it for their health. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, that is literally going on. I watched a documentary on it the other day, and I mean, I could not believe the organization that they have going on out in Colorado where they're flying people out there to literally take um, marijuana sightseeing trips where they're literally going to all of these different stores that sells it and then they take them to these marijuana-friendly hotels where they stay and they can get toasted out of their mind trying all of these different types of marijuana because now it's like, it's like I, I had no idea because... I mean, you know, like I said, in my past, way, way in my past, when I was, like, in high school and stuff, you know, I, I tried that stuff, and um, I really didn't go much beyond marijuana. I, I don't really remember doing anything much beyond that, but I never liked it, even back then. I don't like the thought of just smoke in my lungs. I never liked cigarettes. I never liked the marijuana. I had a lot of friends, though, that were into it in high school. And, and in college, okay? But I never was... It's like, why would I want to do something that makes me tired? Which is all it really ever did to me. Made me tired. Well, yeah, but you can escape reality. It, it, it takes the stress off your day. Listen, my roommate did that stuff. In fact, I had two roommates in college. And I had a roommate in college. She was like my sister. And she did it multiple times per day, okay? Every day. It was no secret, okay? And then I had another... Um, roommate, and her boyfriend, he would do it with her. And I mean, it was every day all the time. And my roommate, whose name was Lisa, it was like she was so fried. Her mind was so fried. And she would always be forgetting stuff and just airheady stuff all the time. And I kept telling her, I'm like, Lisa, you've got to cut back on the pot, dude. You've got to lower your consumption or stop it altogether, preferably. And you couldn't tell her a thing. She'd just look at you and, and oh, you don't understand me. And, oh, I need this. And I'm like, you need it like you need a hole in the head, okay? You don't need this garbage. And here I was, I wasn't even saved telling her this stuff. I could see the fruit of it. And I'm telling you, it really, really messes up your mind. You forget stuff. You, you just get, uh, it just takes any type of mental sharpness away from you. And it starts to affect your memory. And, I mean, obviously it costs a lot, I'm sure. And it's an addiction. It's an absolute 100% addiction, just like cigarettes are. You know, except it's much more mind-altering. And so, I mean, I've been around it my, my whole life. My parents did it growing up. I mean, pfft, 
I've been around that stuff my whole, my whole, my family, you know, would, would do it. Um, I mean, we had a very liberal family, okay? I grew up, I did not grow up in a Christian home at all, okay? And when I was in high school, my friends said, so listen, I've been around this stuff, I, especially pot. If there's one thing I've been around a lot of, it's pot. It's marijuana. I have seen its effects. Um, I can remember, I was telling Taylor this the other day, I, I remember one time was like the highest I ever got. I think this is after I kind of stopped. I probably was barely into high school. And I'm almost positive I saw a devil when I got really, 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 really stoned off this stuff. I was outside a skating rink and, and we were like walking around. I think we were in the woods or something. And I could have, I don't remember because I was so high, but I know I saw something. And I think that scared me enough to like say, you know what? I'm never going to do, at least I'm never going to go to that level again. And I don't think I really ever did. It wasn't anything I've ever really had a huge temptation on. Okay. And I never said I, I was perfect and, and it got before, this is all before I got saved, but you know, um, I have a little bit of history here with things like this, and I've seen this huge push lately with the marijuana. Now that these states are legalizing this, and this documentary I saw the other day, and and it showed these people lined up for like you know a block or two, city blocks, waiting to get into this one store. Now there was multiple stores opened up, and you would go in there, and they would only allow two or three people in the store at any one time, and you would go in there, and you could only buy so much. And they've got all of these, these kinds of way, all these like um, different like forms of it. Like, oh, this is purple mystery weed, and this is green leprechaun weed, and you know what I mean? All these different like flavors and stuff. And I can't even comprehend it. I mean, back in my day, you were lucky to be able to even find it at all, much less going in and, and buying some, you know, leprechaun shamrock. Uh, Lucky Charm, uh, Mary Joanna weed thing. I mean, and, and, and then they've got it in like gummies and they've got it in cookies and, and they've got it in all of these different pastries that you can buy. And that's a whole other store you can go to. It's like, you know, they got it in lollipops and then, then there was just this big controversy. Oh, this girl, they gave her a, uh, cannabis laced lollipop with the THC in it and, and, you know, and there's so many different ways you can do it now. And again, this is all about the degeneration, all by design, all planned out by the Illuminati of our society. Because let's face it, if you're stoned, if you're wasted out of your mind, hey, I don't care, man. Whatever. Let the world go by. Let the world implode. I don't care as long as I'm feeling good. You know? That's how their attitude is, pretty much. You know, it's like Spicoli on Ridgemont High or whatever. You know? And in in uh, if you've never seen that Fast Times at Ridgemont High, don't advise you to watch the movie. But I'm saying that w- that movie was really a stepping stone for a lot of people, a lot of impressionable youth like myself, as far as that whole lifestyle, that whole pot smoking lifestyle, and a lot of guys that I knew patterned their life after Spicoli on that on that show. Uh, it was incredibly popular. So. You know, all of this is by design. It's all about defiling humanity. It's all about getting them dumbed down and numbed down and not caring about anything. Because if you're, if you're whacked out of your mind, you're not gonna wanna fight Satan. He's already got you. You're not gonna really care about current events. You're not gonna really care about, you know, 
all of the garbage going down right now or, or, or all of Satan's devices or, or, you know, all of the things the government is gearing up for and on the verge of doing and, 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 um, trying to be prayed up and, and taking care of your family and these types of things or fighting evil, you're not going to be in that mindset. Or if you are, it's going to be much less than you would be if you have a sound mind. Which is something we're really commanded to have in the Bible. We're to be sober. Okay? And, again, that would apply to this subject. So let's go further. Five-minute movie entitled Murder Was the Case. Snoop Dogg admits in an interview that the video for the song is based on a dream he had about selling his soul to the devil. In the video, Satan offers Snoop Dogg fame and riches in exchange for his eternal soul. So I'm watching the video, and it shows the crow or a raven, which is always... You're seeing a lot of this in a lot of the um, Hollywood stuff now. Crows and ravens. Always symbolic of evil. Okay? Particularly ravens. And it shows this raven landing on this chair, and then all of a sudden it shapeshifts into this human-like form, and it's Satan, and he's the one that's going to come to Snoop Dogg and make him this, you know, offer to sell his soul. He used this experience that was communicated to him in a dream in the studio. After Snoop accepts the deal with Satan, he depicts himself as getting possessed. And it's funny, when, when he gets possessed, he has reptilian slits in his eyes. Okay, it shows that in the video. And, you know, again, there's a lot of these videos up there, very, very compelling. And I've seen them many, many times over the years. You can't say they're all made up. I've seen video feeds literally coming straight from CNN that were that were not doctored, they were not edited, where these guys have slits in their eyes, top to bottom. And you could say, oh, now you really went over the line. Well, listen... Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, he said that. And Satan is depicted as a serpent. Okay, and his seed, the Nephilim, are of a serpent-like quality. If you have any type of, um, in, like it was in Noah's day, a breeding program going on with fallen angels and um, women, like it says in Genesis 6, and if you don't believe that, just key in giants or... Genesis 6, in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, I got into all of that. Anyway, um, it is going to yield a, a very, very, very bad byproduct. In this case, it was giants. And this is literally the seed of Satan we are in reference to here. Okay, So, um, I've seen countless videos that weren't even YouTube videos. They were literal straight CNN videos where I blew them up maxed it out on the highest high definition thing and I mean it was plain as day it wasn't even like and I'm like well you know why would this surprise me you know if it if it, it as it was in the days of Noah so, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the son of man Jesus Christ said it well why would this surprise me deep down we should be expecting this type of thing we should be expecting entities that are not fully human to literally be in high office to literally be in positions of power. I mean, if Satan's going to grant something to somebody, that's who he's going to want to grant it to. I mean, he he tempted Jesus that way. You know, he's gonna he's going to grant these types of things to entities that are purely, totally, one hundred percent evil and wicked, and that will carry out his orders without any hint of conscience. <laughs> So he asks, how long will I live? And the devil says, eternal life and forever. Huh. 
What a lie from the pit of hell that is. Stoops video about selling his soul to the devil, he is seen praying next to an inverted cross. He's praying next to an upside down cross, which is an absolute total sign of Satanism. And you know, he had the slits in his eyes and the whole whole nine yards. Here you can see how the Church of Satan uses inverted crosses in their satanic ritual. Here's chain. a satanic altar he's showing and has three inverted crosses on the satanic altar. It's pretty obvious to many that Snoop Dogg and Bruno Mars are not serving the one true God, but are serving Satan, the God of this evil world system, and actively doing his bidding to seduce and damn souls. Snoop isn't the only one that reveals himself going over to the dark side. Bruno Mars leaves little to the imagination in regard to his crossing over to serve Satan as he states in his song, The Other Side, that he is of the darkness as he seeks to seduce others to leave the light of day and come over to the other side. In this song, Mars appears to be a mouthpiece for Satan, calling those who belong to God and to the light over to the darkness of Satan's soul-damning kingdom. Mars states that he's afraid of the sun and beckons the one he describes as straight as they come to cross over the line. You're as straight as they come. You go about your day, and again, he really sounds a lot like, uh, like a Michael Jackson. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying he absolutely looks like him totally, but there are some pictures of him. He really does look like him a lot, and he has that same light-skinned, you know, look with with the fact of his almost like a feminine type of voice. So, anyway. God describes those who have been saved by the sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as children of light, in contrast to the children of darkness. God's word declares of Jesus' followers, quote, For you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Mars' song goes on to state that it's better if you don't understand before you make the choice. Mars' song glorifies Satan's kingdom of darkness and goes on to state that he's a monster and that he's waiting on the other side. He says, you just gotta decide, and it blank sure ain't Narnia. In fact, his song goes on to say that if you really knew who he was, you'd run and hide. Mars' song goes on to state that if you cross the line to the other side, you'll end up dead and never be able to come back alive. He states that that's the price for going over to the dark side. Bruno not only says it's too late to come back to life once you cross the line, but elsewhere sings in another song that no religion could ever save him. Nevertheless, Mars... Like a well, and again, if he is of the children of the wicked one, and if he is a tear, like the Bible talks about, there's the wheat and the tares, okay, that are literally appointed, the Bible describes them in Hebrews as being vessels of wrath, fitted, meaning prepared ahead of time, for God's destruction. You know, the book of Jude talks about certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Meaning, they were ordained to this condemnation from the foundation of the earth. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. God hath created all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil, or the day of destruction. 
So he's literally created wicked vessels fitted for God's destruction. Now, I don't under, understand that totally, okay? But that is the way it is, and I just truly believe there are, there are people that are just, or appearing as people, maybe they are people, maybe, who knows? I mean, in today's day and age, again, you look back at what Jesus said about as it was in the days of Noah, well, we should be looking for the same thing going on in that day. The main thing going on in that day, if you could take a news truck back there, would have been fallen angels procreating with women. Okay? Um, it's not the godly line of Seth. There, there's no, there's no, um, it said the sons of God. That word, that phrase, sons of God, saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wives all that they chose. That word, sons of God, occurs, I believe, Five times in the Old Testament, in that usage in the Hebrew, in every single time in the book of Job, that phrase, sons of God, is always in reference to angels. Always. Not sons of God in the New Testament, that's written in Greek and Aramaic, not even the same usage, not the same um, phrase. We, we could literally be considered the sons of God in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament Hebrew, that phrase is exclusively for angels Every single time it's used. Okay? So out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. And anyway, that's that's a big part of what I, what you can uh, look at and base that off. So anyway, and, and again, if it was a godly line of self, why did they produce this wicked generation of giants that were not even human? <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all, just from that standpoint. But anyway, I've done a ton of studies on that. You know, you can reference there. Um but these, these are vessels of wrath fitted or prepared ahead of time for God's destruction, as it says in the book of Hebrews. And um, uh, there is no religion that can save him, most likely. He is just evil at this point. Or, if he was, let's say, a good, well, not a good person, but a just a regular person, and he got saved, and let's say he had, or I'm not saying he got saved, let's say he had the opportunity to get saved, is what I meant, Okay. There comes a point in time where you do, where you can cross a line and the Holy Spirit will not deal with you anymore. Because unless the Holy Spirit draws you, no man is going to get saved. The Bible's very clear on that. You just don't get saved anytime you want on your terms. You, you get saved. This is why, you know, now is, is the appropriate time. Now is, is the, the time to get saved. Now is the day of the Lord where you need, that's why the Bible stresses that, you know, um, People say, well, I'll just get saved at the end of my life. And there's been people that have said that. And they've had umpteen chances to get saved. And then the preacher goes to them. And let's say they even have an opportunity to have the preacher come. Preacher gets there. And this happened a lot more in old times when they didn't have all of the drugs that, that, that knocked you out before you died. And they would tell the preacher, well, I want, it's like I want to get saved, but I can't. I cannot accept. It's, it's like the Holy Spirit was not there to draw them. Okay. There comes a time where you will cross a line and the Holy Spirit will not bear with you anymore. The Spirit of God will not always strive with man forever. Okay, so we just, we, we need to get saved when we can get saved. Okay, it's very, very important to not put it off. It's, it's of eternal, unbelievable ramifications that you do it now. You don't put it off, you don't wait, you don't, you know, you don't know, you might not live to, to tomorrow. That's happened a lot too, where they're like, well, I'll just go and I'm going to get saved tomorrow. And they get into, and they get into an accident. Satan knows this. Okay. Satan's devils and demons know. Okay. And if they can take you out knowing that you might get saved the next day in that next 24 hour period, if they, if it's, if there's any possibility they could do it, 
you better be sure they're going to try to try to do it. And that has happened many, many, many times as well. That's a whole other dynamic to think about. Not something you want to mess around with. But when you cross that line, whether that's being turned over a reprobate mind, like the Bible talks about in Romans 1, or having your conscience seared with a hot iron, like in 1 Timothy 4.1, um, when you cross that line, and that's not up to me, that's between you and God. I don't know when that exactly happens, but I know one thing. If you continually and willfully keep rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that is drawing you to be saved, there's going to come a time when that just, it's not going to happen anymore. And at that point, you've crossed that line, and it's almost like the Bible talks about in John, First um, John 5, where it talks about the sin unto death, that the Bible says, I, I should say that you don't even pray about it. If you see a, a brother commit a sin, um, like the sin unto death, uh, when that happens, again, that's between God and the person, okay? But there are times in the Bible where God will say, don't pray for these people at all. It's too late. It's, it's, you've crossed the line. There's some line that's been crossed in God's eyes, and he said, don't, don't bother praying for them. Um, I believe it's Jeremiah 7, 11, and 14, where it talks about that. That where I mean, and what were they doing? Well, ultimately, if you if you do a compilation of those chapters, they were sacrificing their children. They were baking cakes to the Queen of Heaven, which would be the modern day Mary of the Catholic Church. Um, they were doing evil in the house of the Lord and saying we are ordained to do this evil. They were participating in all manner of idolatry. And what ends up happening is their conscience was seared with a hot iron, and they thought that they were they were literally doing God's will, and they were doing wickedness. They were so deluded in their in their thought process that there was no more hope for them. And the only thing that they had to look forward to was hell. So I think this is where you, you look at a lot of these people um, involved in high-level Hollywood, rock music, t- stuff like this, and, and you see a lot of that. You don't see a lot of them coming out and saying, I really got born again saved and, 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 and doing that. It's, it's very, very rare. Pied Piper calls his impressionable young fans to cross the line to Satan's side. Mars even states that you gotta decide. So he's telling you to cross the line where I believe it's that line where the Holy Spirit will not bear with you anymore. You will not have. I mean, even if somebody presented the gospel, you're going to have no desire, you're not going to have the ability to accept it. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to be there to draw you. Satan wants to get you to cross that line. And I, I really believe you can accelerate that process of crossing the line by the more sin you're participating in. I mean, if, if you're involved in all manner of wickedness, taking on all manner of devils, basically thumbing your nose in God's face, then then that process is going to be sped up. And that's the purpose of this type of um, music and drug use and things of that nature. The song The Other Side ends by repeating the line, quote, it's better if you don't understand, over and over and over again. Which of course is true from Satan's standpoint, because he doesn't want you to understand that if you choose his kingdom, your eternal soul will justly suffer in hell forever and ever. Satan doesn't want you to understand that he's hell-bent on seeing as many souls damned as possible. Amen. Satan wants you to believe that you can't be saved once you've crossed the line. And while that's true, that after you're dead, it's too late. 
Well, it's true that no religion could save you. The reality now he's saying after you're dead, but but I again I think there's a lot of Bible, and I just brought up his verses that people can cross the line and still be alive, and you know so I that is really you, I think you're giving somebody a false hope if you just pin it all on oh if you die, you know because I believe it's you can you can literally be wa- the Walking Dead essentially because you've crossed the line and the spirit's not there to draw you anymore. You've rejected him, you know. The is that Jesus can save you. In fact, both Super Bowl quarterbacks, Peyton Manning of the Broncos and Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, have publicly confessed that they put Jesus Christ first in their lives above football and everything else. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to judge this, okay? I'm not here to judge. I don't know hardly anything about either of these men. He's, he, they, they play some things. I hope that this is the real deal. I really do. This isn't why I'm doing the teaching, to focus in on this. I'm, I'm doing it to try to see what we can glean out of this. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and play this as well, because I really believe that, that Rob Bell has a real heart to see people get saved. And, and I really appreciate that. And I think these are great witnessing tools, these videos, because this really hits close to home for a lot of people, particularly young people growing up in today's day and age, and a video like this could really be used in a mighty way, I truly believe, to get people out of bondage and to get a lot of people saved. Like I said, football is really, really important to me. And, you know, you get during the season and you get into the heat of battle and you think there's nothing more important than That's Peyton than Manning. Winning this game. When in reality, there are so many more important things out there. So I always felt it's important to have a, have a good relationship with the Lord. Uh, you know, he always has to be your number one priority. Um, so, uh, I grew up in a good, a good Christian home. My parents, you know, we went to Sunday school and church every Sunday. So that's always got to be your number one priority. I'm Russell Wilson. I was born in Richmond, Virginia. Actually, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, but I lived in Richmond my whole life ever since like one or two. I got saved when I was about 14 years old, and that's when my life started changing. I used to be a bad kid. I just used to beat up people. I used to bite people. I used to do just different stuff. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today without Jesus. You know, Jesus is is my all. He's my everything. Um, I'm not perfect by any means. You know, I, I try to do the things the right way. I try to live righteous. Um, but I'm, I'm a constant, you know, work in progress. And we all are. You know, and no, nobody's perfect. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus is, um, you know, he takes you for who you are. You know, and, and, and so, you know, for, for me, you know, it's just giving him all the glory. You see, Satan doesn't want you to know that you need to be saved from the penalty of your sins. He doesn't want you to know the good news that the Lord Jesus Christ, God, who became a man, died on the cross to pay for your crimes against God and others. Only God himself could pay the penalty for all of our sins. Satan doesn't want you to know that God loves you, that God wants to save you from hell. He doesn't want you to know that if you turn from a life of rebellion against God and put your trust in the precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you will have eternal life. Thankfully, despite Satan's servants influence millions and millions of people during the Super Bowl 48 halftime show, lost souls are still turning to Christ and getting saved, just as Jesus said they would before Judgment Day. Dear friend, I encourage you to act on Jesus' words before it's too late. Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus also said, quote, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also declared, quote, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it, end quote. If you're wondering if he loves you, if he'll accept you, he made it quite clear. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast away. 
Well, we want to thank you for watching this video, and we want to encourage you to share this important video with others on your Facebook, and also invite you to become part of the Good Fight Facebook family as well. Also, feel free to see many more eye-popping videos on our Good Fight site, as well as learn more about our top video, They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. Thanks again, and may God richly bless you as you seek Him. Which, again, that's They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll is very, very good. Um, and he has some excellent materials. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to have a PDF for this week. I'm just going to, in the table of contents, I'm just going to have the links to these few videos that I'm, I'm going to be going over. That was the longest one. And um, the next one we're going to look at is They Sold Their Souls, the, the Eagles. And, again, one of the, I don't know, bigger um, rock groups from, you know, the, the 70s era, in that era. And um, this is about a five-minute video here. Very, very uh, interesting information. The Eagles are one of the most successful rock groups of all time. In their song, One of These Nights, they sing, quote, You got your demons. I've got a few of my own. I've been searching for the daughter of the devil himself. According to Time Magazine, the Eagles were formed on the basis of the teachings of occultist Carlos Castaneda. According to Robert Anton Wilson, Carlos Castaneda simply repackaged and modified several of Satanist Aleister Crowley's teachings. Hence, the Eagles were therefore influenced by the teachings of Aleister Crowley. The Eagles' song, Hotel California, which is one of the most requested songs of all time after Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, gives us a clue as to what it's about in the following words. I was thinking to myself, this could be heaven or this could be hell. Hotel California does not seem to make a whole lot of sense until you understand the background of the song. Incredibly, it appears that the Hotel California is a reference to the Church of Satan. When Satanist Anton LaVey sought to open the Church of Satan in San Francisco, California, the house he found was, quote, once a brothel operated by Barbary Coast Madame Mammy Pleasant. And just where was his former hotel, which now acted as the Church of Satan? Anton's Satanic Hotel is found on California Street in San Francisco. Incredibly, on the inside of the album cover on the balcony is a mysterious man whose hands are stretched out with some substance spilled on the wall just below him. This totally bald man appears to be none other than Anton LaVey himself. Incredibly, Larry Salter, the Eagles recording manager, admitted that the Eagles have had dealings with the Church of Satan. The song itself states, quote, So I called up the captain and said, Please bring me my wine, a picture of Christ's blood in the Lord's Supper. And then it states, He said, We haven't had that spirit here since 1969. 1969 was the year that Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible was published, and he sought to repudiate the blood of Jesus Christ and introduce the Satanic spirit to the world. So again, that was the year the Satanic Bible was actually um, published. 1966, I believe it was, uh, it was Beltane, May 1st, 1966 was the actual year that the Satanic Church was opened, which they're referring to here, um, I, um, uh, was opened in San Francisco at that former brothel. Okay, so just a little more history there. In 
incredibly, the second most requested song of all time, like the first, Stairway to Heaven, is actually about going to hell. So you can never leave. Now, what does that mean? You can check out anytime you like, but you, I mean, if you're at a hotel and you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave, what does that mean? Well, the word check out, if you, is, is a, obviously is a, um, an expression for dying. You ever hear that? He checked out. It's kind of a flippant way of describing death. Okay. So you can check out anytime you like. I mean, let's say you wanted to commit suicide or whatever. But you can't ever leave where you're going, which would be hell in this case. I think that's what they're trying to convey with this song. Even as Hotel California appears to be about the Church of Satan organization and going to eternal hell, the song, when played backwards, appears to state, quote, Yeah, Satan organized his own religion. There were voices down the Okay, so yeah, Satan, he organized his own religion. You know, I mean, obviously it's not clear and plain as day, but I mean, it's pretty, when you start seeing the actual words on the screen and listening to this, yeah, and again, this is, that's one of the many back-masking things you can actually play backwards on Hotel. Now, again, this version of Hotel California is a very slow version. This is a live version, this is a slow version. Um, I've heard better not better, but I mean more clear sound bites off the actual record from Hotel California when it was recorded in the studio. You got a live audience, you got a lot of other extraneous noise, and it's a slower version. So it's it's not quite as clear, but it's still there. God's word reveals in the book of Revelation on the final judgment of those who have rejected Christ, quote, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire, end quote. In the Eagles song, Good Day in Hell, they make it quite clear, though, as to whom they are serving and where they are going. They say, quote, in that good book of names, I want to go down in flames, seeing how I'm going down. Devil's on the phone, laughs and says, you're doing just fine. Dear friend, Satan wants your soul, and he uses seductive music like that of the Eagles to draw you into his web of destruction. 
Jesus Christ warned, he that is not with me is against me. He wants your soul as well. In fact, he died on the cross and was slaughtered to pay the penalty for your sins so that you might have eternal life. See, I, I really love his videos because he commingles a lot of scripture. I understand it's not KJV, but he's his heart really seems like it's in the right place, really trying to use this ministry to get people saved, which is what I'm trying to do too, you know, so, and he commingles a lot of scripture, um, if you're not saved, and if you're listening to this, go to contendingfortruth.com, click on the true salvation tab, and my teachings there will walk you through the whole things, there's PDFs you can click on to follow along, it's all Bible verses essentially talks about salvation, baptism, um, overcoming, bearing the cross of Christ, you probably want to listen to them in the order they're presented, but um, that's what this is really all about, and that's what his ministry is about, and, and, and that's what I love about it. And it's such a good platform because, I mean, music is so popular, and, and these songs are so familiar to so many of us. I mean, you can't escape the, I mean, unless you literally lived in a hole somewhere, in a cave, and never had the radio on ever, never went to a department store, never went to a restaurant, never did anything... You're going to hear these songs, okay? You're going to do it. So I'm not judging anybody for, for hearing the song. Man, I, I grew up with this stuff. My, my, my dad was absolutely obsessed with music. I mean, we had at one time, my dad had speakers that were so big in our house. At one time, they were 7 feet tall, 350 pounds apiece. I mean, he had the highest end sound systems of anybody in our county, much less probably would be comparable to the state. At one time, when they got that little bit of money they did at the end when they sold their, their uh, business that I had talked about before, he bought a media room, and there was only one of like seven or eight in the world that was comparable to it. Huge big screen TV, this Ultra unbelievable sound system with custom cabinetry, just unbelievably expensive components. Everything surround sound. I mean, it was it was unreal. It was really super super important for my dad and I. Grew up with this music. I mean, being. I mean, this is how I lived my life. This is. I mean, so many songs evoke emotions like I hear and and I think about my parents, and you can't help it. Because it's ingrained into your thinking pattern. I'm not saying I'm going around actively trying to seek those songs out and listen to them. But if you hear them, it's like, oh my word, you know, it reminds me of my, my parents, you know, because that's what I had so ingrained into my head. Everywhere we went, the car, the house, especially on weekends, they had parties. I mean, big time parties. Their house was made to throw parties. And I mean, I'm talking a lot of drunken debauchery. And I, you know, I mean, it was, uh, they were very popular because they entertained a lot and they were all about having fun. And this went on for years and years and years. And, I, and I, I've told that story before where when they would play Pink Floyd on that stereo system, my dad had two Siamese cats and the one, Sasha, when he was alive, I mean, he would go nuts when Pink Floyd came on. I mean, Nuts. I think I've even done a little mini study on Pink Floyd. You can key in Pink Floyd in the keyword search box. His hair would just, you know, like when cats, their hair stands up on end. 
Sasha would start running through the house, and his every, I mean, it was like he was just going to get into a fight with a cat, you know, that they get all, tried to get all big and make themselves look bigger, tail was puffy, back was all puffy, he, and he would be looking around like he was seeing stuff, I'm telling you, <laughs> I have been there, done it, know about that, and again, then we talk about the one study I did where I talked about the, um, um, it was, it was not too long after this, they ended up leaving that house, and my actually dad literally died the last night that they were being evicted out of that house because they had their company stolen from them. And they had had this party, and they had taken, and I wasn't there because I didn't want to participate in any of these these parties, even though I was always invited. And my mom had taken all of these pictures. You would not believe the amount of paranormal activity that was going on in these pictures. Orbs, and and um, it's called ectofog. It, in the occult, where all of this fog appears over pictures, and there's no fog at all. And, I mean, more orbs than you can possibly imagine. Okay, and you, you go on, if you watch any of these paranormal shows, and I'm not saying do that, but one of the things they always record is if there's an orb in a picture, which is a big deal. Well, I'm talking, like, in some some pictures, like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten orbs in one picture with ectofog. During their parties. And none of this was showing up during the, you couldn't see it with a naked eye. You know? They had the, they had the base, bassist for the Neville brothers there doing the DJing, playing his guitar and singing and, and also playing other music. And that was just one party. And I put out the pictures on that and, and, and stuff. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I showed my mom this stuff. And that was when they were finally starting to come around a little bit. And I said, you need to let me annihilate a whole bunch of these cursed objects in your house. It was so bad that I went into the one room where he had all the video cameras because my dad did video security at that point. You could literally see the orbs swirling around the porch, the porch area. I don't know why there so much, but they were, it looked like. You, you cannot believe how many orbs there were, and you could see them on camera, live, real time. I went that night, and I destroyed, they let me, God gave me the favor with them, because I never never thought I'd have that kind of favor. I destroyed all kind of occults. They had all kind of cursed statues, and African art, and, and all of these things that are going to bring devils into your houses. They let me destroy a whole bunch of this stuff. I mean, I was chainsawing stuff up in the, in, in the, uh, in the garage and, and, and busting stuff and busting statues and, and because they were, they were losing their, their business and they were losing everything and they knew that there was problems with this house. They, it, this house was highly haunted. Okay. Highly haunted. People would come in there and get creeped out. People in the new age would come in there and get totally creeped out and freaked out. Over all of the pair, and you had all this stuff going on under one roof. You had the big stereo systems and all of the occult music. You had all of the occult art that was literally all over the house. You had the lifestyle they were living. You had all of the parties that devils and demons were literally attracted to. You had, you know, all kind of um, liquor. You had illicit drug use going on, mostly just, I think, just pot. You know, but you had a lot of wickedness going on, and this wickedness attracts more wickedness, and it was a mess. The house was totally haunted, okay? And, I mean, you'd hear, like, you'd be, if you were, like, in the office there, 
you would hear literally footsteps of, of like somebody, like if I was there and let's say I was, I was over there on the computer late at night from the TV room, I would literally hear footsteps walking right up to the door. Taylor heard it all the time. I found out that they were messing with Taylor like crazy, but she never told me while we were living there. She didn't want to whatever. And so, you know, they messed with my mom. They didn't really mess with me a whole lot. I mean, I heard some stuff, but not a whole lot of in-your-face stuff. Because I was always wanting to confront them anyway. But it was it was crazy. I mean, this house was, was about as haunted as anything I've ever been in. And uh, they had a right to be there. There were all of these cursed objects in the house. There was all of this stuff taking place in the house. There was all of this history in the house. And when I destroyed... All of that stuff in the garage that night, okay, I went out. As soon as I was done, I went right into the office where the cameras were rolling. And I checked those the, his video security cameras and his live feed to the porch, which is where you could really see almost all of the orbs. And they were totally gone. There was not one orb swirling. And it wasn't like I just checked it one night and they were swirling. I mean, this was like every night you could look out there and see them. On the camera. Now, if you looked out playing, you couldn't see them. You could only, they would only be picked up on camera. That's very common for a lot of paranormal stuff. So, I'm telling you, they, every one of them were gone. Now, does that mean all the problems were gone in the house? No. I mean, there was still a lot of occult stuff. There was a lot of stuff they paid thousands of dollars for that they weren't going to let me destroy. <laughs> you know, I could only do that after my mom passed away. Bottom line. Was able to destroy some stuff after my dad passed, and then, and then, on you know, it wasn't until after my mom passed away that I was actually able to fully, finally get rid of everything, and that was a whole other task. So this is how I've lived my life for a long time. This is just commonplace for me. Voodoo witch doctors trying to literally kill me, you know, and, and confronting that type of of, of wickedness. And, and if you want to know more about this, key in supernatural in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. And you'll see my supernatural experiences. It doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. I've just had these experiences, I think, so I can help other people and show them that we can overcome this stuff. That that um, we have much more power than they have through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his shed blood, as, as a born-again Christian. But you have to have the faith to actually believe that you that you do have that type of power. You know, and um, putting on the full armor of God and, and trying to get as much sin out of your life as possible. There's a lot of things that go along with that. But I, I just really like this guy's ministry because um, uh, it, it just seems that, that, that um, he's really trying to, to get a lot of people saved. And this is a great avenue to try to do that. So the one last video we have is just another short one here. And um, it's called I Sold My Soul to the Devil. This is from... Um, another person, not not good fight, but this is a really nice little uh, five minute video here. It's going to start here. I was angry at God. I did not think that I had a chance at heaven. I thought I was damned to hell. What could make an eight-year-old boy lose all hope of heaven? Todd Beasley lived a lonely childhood. He was born with brittle bone disease and spent much of his young life in the hospital. He broke 70 bones at various times and had 28 hospital stays. 
the disease eventually caused deformities in his small frame. Todd couldn't spend his school years with other children. Instead, a tutor came to his house from first grade through sixth. And then seventh through eleventh grades, I had a two-way telephone system between my house and the school. And classmates would carry this little cowbell speaker microphone from classroom to classroom. And then when I wanted to answer a question, I just pushed down a little bar on this box I had in my office. Todd's uh, Just to, for me to throw my two cents in here on this... If you had somebody with that or any kind of bone softening or bone weakening condition like that, there are certain things that your body has to have in order to have bone toughness. Boron is a huge one. Okay, Manganese is another. Vitamin D3 is another. Um, these are things that are really super important. Vitamin K is another one. Not, and calcium is important, but without these other cofactors, and phosphorus is in there as well, and magnesium, without these other cofactors, you just are not going to have strong bones. Silica is another big, big one for bone tensile strength. And I just believe if, if he could have been put on a regime of that when he was young, uh, I think that his life would have turned out a lot differently. Yes, does he have a genetic predisposition to that? Most likely, obviously, yes. But there's ways that he could have of optimize that, and, um, you know, anyway, there's certain products that, that are like all-in-one products. Some, sometimes you can find them at health food stores. I have one I use from Innate called Bone Care, and it's kind of got all that in one capsule, really good for an osteoporotic patient, um, or really to help heal a bone fracture for a case like this, where you don't have, uh, like, osteopenia, where you don't have a lot of bone density, and, and as women age, they tend to really lose that pretty quickly, and particularly if they haven't laid down a good calcium bone matrix at an early age, then you're, if you don't have that, then the body starts to pull out of the bone once you get beyond the age of like 30 due to hormonal shifts and stuff like that. And then if you haven't already laid down a good foundation, you have nothing to draw. It's like having a bank account and, and your account's empty. So I just want to throw that in there. Life took a dark turn during one of his lonely hospital stays. I had overheard the doctor telling my mom on the eve of a surgery in Milwaukee back in 1959 that they didn't know if they could save my leg. He thought that I was out of earshot when he told my mom that in the hallway, but I could hear it. Todd was devastated, but then another patient told him that he had the answer to Todd's dilemma. And a 13-year-old child in the bed next to me said, well, everything will be okay with your leg if you just join my club. And I said, well, what club is that? And he said, the devil's club. But you've got to understand, he said, once you join, there's no way out. And you can never tell anyone. Todd's Christian upbringing had not prepared him for this. But he desperately wanted to save his leg. And so I agreed to join. And that night, it felt like I had sold my soul. I had lost it forever. And the internal pain, the agony of that moment was just horrendous. It was hard to describe the pain. Amazingly. His leg began to heal. The bone, six weeks later, had grown in straighter and stronger in my left leg than in my lower right leg, which had never broken. As years passed and his guilt grew, Todd desperately searched... Now, hold on. Before we go any further, there, there, that's a mouthful that just happened there. Okay, so we, we, want to, we want to approach this from a biblical standpoint here. Okay? Um, because I was just talking about how, you know, if you cross the line and the Holy Spirit's not there to, to, to save you, or, or to bear witness, you're not going to get saved. 
Well, this is kind of reverse of that because he was sold a bill of goods saying, well, you sold your soul to the devil, can't tell anybody, there's no going back, too bad, you're going to hell, essentially forever, in order to get this gift of not losing your leg and then having it grow back. And, and you could say, well, how could Satan grant? Because if this disease process was primarily or at least partially demonic, you don't think Satan could remove those demons or suppress those demons for a time or even maybe for the rest of his life in order to reaffirm that he made the right decision and to show him that Satan has real power. Now, it's a well-known fact, and I've heard this for a long time, that in a lot of these satanic concerts, they will literally have satanic altar calls, where you will come up and you will get, it's like reversed born again, you, you'll come up and, and um, give your soul to Satan, and there's literally satanic healings, and people literally get healed. So don't think that just because somebody gets healed from something, it's always from God. It's only going to be from God if the Lord Jesus Christ is getting the glory. If the Lord Jesus Christ is not getting the glory, then many, many times I believe that could be a, an absolute total healing, but it's all it is is Satan's calling off the dogs. Where do we have examples of that in the Bible? Where, like, the people that, like, um, the ones that had seizures or things of this nature. And Jesus said this was a devil, okay, that was doing this. Well, Okay, if you were the devil and somebody was having seizures and they were desperate to get help from this, and you go to them and the devil says, yeah, just give your, sell your soul to me, serve me, and you will never have seizures again, and it's a demon causing the seizures, which many times it is, he just calls off the dogs for a little while, or, or maybe for the rest of their life. They don't have any more seizures, but they go straight to hell. Not to say they weren't on their way if they weren't saved, I'm just saying this solidifies that. So there's some things you have to kind of look at. And then there's a lot of people that have supposedly even literally signed contracts and still gotten saved because they were sold a bill of goods. They might they might have signed a contract, but they've never even been presented with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when they finally really, in fact, Chick Track has a track on that's called The Contract, about a guy that literally sells his soul to Satan and thinks that he can't um, break out of it. And the one guy tells them, you can't break out of it. And by the end, the guy that actually signed the contract gets saved, and the guy that told him he couldn't break out of it is the one that ends up going to hell, even though he didn't sign a, quote, contract. Because he was just trusting in his works and saying, oh, well, you signed the contract, therefore, no, that's not what the Bible says. you got to go what the Bible says about getting saved. And again, that's, go to my, my, um, my salvation, my true salvation tab at contendingfortruth.com and Listen to my teaching on that if you're not. So I want to clarify some things on this because that could be confusing for some people when when we talk about the subject. For a way out of his vow. And I even took time to look into the Bible at that point, but all I could see there was woe unto you hypocrites. And I, did, I thought God hated me. Aww. Every Sunday I'd be dragged into the presence of an angry God with cold feet and cold hands. So talk and, and, and again, that was just a lie from Satan. And you can tell this this man has has humility, you know. And and those are the types of people God saves. You cannot get saved proudly, like you can't go to God with a proud pride in your heart and say, "Yeah, you know, God, I I think I'll I'll do you a favor and and I'll accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior." You're not doing God any favors. You need to humble yourself as a little child 
as, as Jesus Christ talks about. Unless you humble yourself as a little child, you will not see the kingdom of God. Who does God desire to be with and dwell with? Those that are of a meek, contrite, and humble spirit. Why would he want a bunch of big-headed, prideful hypocrites in heaven? He's not, he doesn't have any room for that. God doesn't share his glory with nobody. There's going to be no glorying of yourself in God's presence. Okay, so humility is a really big prerequisite for salvation. And this man obviously has that humility. I could totally see him really getting saved. And I mean, I just praise the Lord Jesus Christ for it. It's just awesome. Did his Christian upbringing. I ran as far away from God as I could possibly get once I got out on my own. I wanted to put him out of my mind and enjoy my life on earth while I was here because I figured I was headed for hell, so I might as well enjoy what time I had. And that's why I got off into the drugs and got into other sinful things and just ran from God. But in retrospect, Todd says God didn't give up on him. He kept pursuing me. I went through eight auto accidents in three years without a scratch. And then a tornado went ten feet over my car. When I was in Jackson. Now, this guy still has this bone brittle disease. He's on crutches still, okay? His leg didn't lose his leg, but he's not, like, fully healed. So how could he get in eight auto accidents when he broke 70 bones when he was young from brittle bone disease, which he still has, and not break a bone? And have a tornado go over his car? God was trying to get his attention. Okay, again, now this was the Spirit of God striving with a man. This was a Spirit of God trying to, the Holy Spirit trying to bear witness with his spirit, trying to get him to understand what is really important. And and what is really important is where are you going to spend eternity when it all boils down to it. So this is why all of this was happening. Whom the Lord loved, he also also chased it. He was almost trying to chase him. But see, God knows the beginning from the end. He knew he was going to end up getting saved. And it's been referred to, and I did a teacher on this recently, as the grace that God applies to you And I think that would include things like this, even though it seems like, well, this doesn't seem like grace. It's like he's going through all these trials and tribulations. Yeah, but that's to lead you ultimately to the Lord, to maybe humble you to the point where you're going to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to get your eyes fixed on him, to to realize you have no other recourse for salvation. That's what all of this was happening, and it's, it's been referred to, I've, and I think it's as good enough a term as I've ever heard, is provenient grace. It's the grace that God uses up to the point to get you to the point of salvation. Okay, and I know he did it with me. I mean, I was a devil. Okay, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm perfect now, but I was a devil. I mean, I, I just said in the previous about, you know, some of the stuff that I was, I was involved, you know, drinking and carousing and partying and and just, you know, that whole lifestyle, pretty much the way I grew up. And um, there were several occasions I should have died, and I didn't. And um, I really can look back and see the hand of God on all of the times that he spared me things, but also a lot of the things that maybe I went through to bring me to that point as well. Tennessee. And that was the most scared moment of my life. His near-death experiences pushed Todd to search once again for God, the same God that he had fled from for all those years. But I didn't know where to find him. I had been gone from him for so long. In other areas, life moved forward for Todd. He married a wonderful, kind-hearted woman named Sherry. With Todd's talented voice, he excelled in a radio career. 
Part of that job responsibility as morning announcer was also production director, which meant I recorded the... <laughs> Doesn't he have a great voice? I, I thought that when I first saw him, I'm like, oh, and he ends up getting into radio. I'm like, this guy's got an awesome voice. Commercials and religious programming for Sunday morning. And there was a pastor who came to record one of his sermons, and he asked after our recording session, have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? Todd had never shared his dark satanic secret with anyone, but that day... He confided everything to this pastor. He showed me from scripture over coffee that the devil is a liar and the father of lies and that Jesus still loved me and that I still had hope and that I could be saved. And it was like throwing a rope to a drowning man. And so I reached out and I accepted the Lord as my Savior. A great weight was lifted off my shoulders. I was able to go tell my wife what I had been involved in. I was able to go tell my parents, my mom and my dad Years later, Todd and Sherry had a son named Joshua. But Todd was devastated when he found out his newborn son had brittle bone disease. So Todd and Sherry began to pray for healing. And to date, Joshua, at age 10, has never broken a single bone. I'm delighted that God healed him. I knew all the pain that I went through as a child with the broken bones. And for him to be spared that, that's the most merciful thing that I could ever imagine or, or, or ask for. Today, Todd encourages everyone to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Jesus came to set us free from sin and give us hope, no matter what we've been involved with. I don't care if you've sold your soul to Satan. I don't care how far into the depths of the occult you've sunk. If you're a witch or whatever, there's hope for you. Jesus loves you and he can set you free. He did it for me. He can do it for you too. Don't you love him? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm over here bawling listening to him. Um, okay, so anyway, yeah, he, he, he's a... Um, anyway, I love him. And um, God bless him. And that's all I really have for today. Um, I wasn't really thinking I could even do a study this week, but, um, um, had some car troubles and, and, uh, kind of got stranded out of town and, and, uh, um, the Lord kind of worked out some things for me. So I was able to get back here and just put a little something together for this week. But, um, uh, just want to, you know, take a moment to thank, you know, all my listeners for their prayers and, and, uh, um, those that have given to, to the ministry and everything. And I, I just, you know, praise the Lord Jesus Christ for you all and, um, really thank God for you. You've enabled us to keep going and, um, um, I'm just very, very grateful. Anyway, uh, I'll go ahead and close this out in, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. And, um, Lord, I thank you for these resources you've, you've set before us. And for the truth that we've been exposed to, Lord God, today, I pray that you'd use it in whatever manner, Lord, you see fit mostly, Lord, that you would use it to save souls, um, that your name would be glorified through it, that you would help release people from satanic bondage through these truths, Lord, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, Lord, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.